Sports Radio 100.9, The Mix. You've waited patiently all day. Oh, wait. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. The Great Lakes Bay region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school. Whistling inside with a two-hand flush. To college. Just wait until March, bro. To the pros. 75 yards by Monty Williams. Uh, I always do that. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's the payoff. It is gorgeous outside. Hope the windows are down in the car and everyone's got a chance to check out the sunshine today because, man, oh, man, we probably aren't getting a day like this for another month. Uh, welcome into the payoff. You okay over there, Brad? You look shocked right now that we just started the show. You zoned in with the headphones. Uh, all right, here we are, 100.9 the minute here in the Blazy Electric studio. All hell is breaking loose. Here's what we got planned for today. A little bit of a sports equinox. Now, we haven't done this yet on the show. We've been close. We've gotten three teams, but never have we done all four major league, uh, professional, I should say, all four professional sports in a jam-packed hour. Next 60 minutes, Lions, Red Wings, Tigers, and the Poo Poo Pistons. We're going to hit everything. In fact, kind of breaking radio rules by doing this. Now, they say you're supposed to hit a topic, let everyone text in, let the people respond, interact. Eh, Sorry, we're breaking the rules today. It's just what we're doing. Uh, So if you do want to text in and use the Frick Sports Bar text line, 989-837-6125, you're going to have to have very quick thumbs today because we're moving on from topics fast. Starting things out with the Tigers. Now, if you've been on your phone the last couple of weeks, or not the last couple of weeks, last couple of minutes, last couple of hours, uh, you'll know the Tigers signed a new third baseman. The Tigers have been in search for a third baseman for a while now. And I think the Tigers went into the offseason, went into spring training, really thinking to themselves, all right, we'll see what Verling's got. He's going to work on it this offseason. Hopefully he can play the hot corner. Same thing with McKinstry, CMU, shout out. And Andy Abanias, these are all guys who have played third base. That doesn't make them third basemen. So the Tigers, just a couple weeks into spring training, realize, oh, that thing we didn't address in the offseason didn't magically fix itself. So what do they do? They bring in Gio Urshela to a one-year, $1.5 million contract. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there thinking to themselves, who on earth is that? Because for a long time, Detroit Tigers fans internalized their own thoughts and said, you know what, Matt Chapman, that guy, is the dude to be our third baseman. Guys, if you're that upset that Matt Chapman's not the third baseman, if you are that enraged, I don't know why you're surprised. Chris Illich is one of the cheapest owners in all of sports, and Matt Chapman had an estimated market value, according to SpotTrack.com, of six years, $17 million. Why anyone expected Chris Illich to go make a move like that, to go make a sign like that, a long-term contract that's going to cost him a ton of money? I mean, that's like asking, it's like asking Dan Campbell to kick a field goal on fourth and five on the opponent 30-yard line. It's just not happening. It's not who he is. 
He's cheap. That doesn't mean we have to like it. But you shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't be expecting him to do something that's not characteristic of him. What is characteristic of him is to sign someone like this. One year, $1.5 million. And I'd like to say that it is funny how MLB free agency works. Matt Chapman's still a free agent. J.D. Martinez still a free agent. Drew Arshella gets picked up today, who's a nice player. Can you imagine if football or the NBA worked like this? It's like, yeah, season starts here in a month. Eh. We still don't know where LeBron's playing. Still don't know where Chris Jones is going to be. More on that later. Gio Rochella comes in 32 years old. Former Guardian, so we've seen him in the division. Former Twin, uh, a Yankee. I'm sure John would have a lot to say about him if he was here today. Uh, most recently played with the Angels. Now, like I said, this is a nice player. It's not catching national headlines the way Matt Chapman would. See you, Brad. Uh, it's not going to, you know, give this A-plus signing. But what it is going to do is give the Tigers an actual third baseman, which is something they haven't had in a couple of years. Now let's go over last year's stats uh, for Gio Urshela. Only 228 plate appearances because in July uh, he got ruled out for the year because of a broken pelvis. Ouch. Batted 299 last year. Seems pretty good, but the OPS doesn't really line up with that. Uh, 703 OPS, only two home runs. So it's a lot of singles and it's a lot of nobody's on base, so what does it even matter? Now, can that all change when your lineup is a lot better? Yeah, but is the Tigers lineup really that much better than the Angels were last year? Maybe. May I would say no. So you bring in someone who's a nice piece. He's not a needle mover, though. Don't make it like he's not the missing puzzle piece that's going to win the Tigers this division. That's not what he is. He's a nice pickup. Destroys lefties. Last year versus lefties, 337, uh, 373. So he just flat out destroys lefties, which is something the Tigers needed. You only have, you know, as of now, assuming he's going to be in the starting lineup at third base, four lefties in the lineup, five righties. A.J. Hinch is foaming at the mouth at that. The way he works around the righties and lefties, one of the best managers in, in all of baseball with that. But you do have three righties coming off the bench now, and I think that's what's going to get lost in all this. Everyone so upset that they didn't get Matt Chapman that everyone's going to be lost at the fact that, okay, look at the bench for the Tigers now. Matt Veerling's now no longer a starter, and I like Matt Veerling. He's a good player. Now he's a utility outfielder and a, an emergency third baseman. Okay? Now Zach McKinstry's coming off the bench and can substitute in anywhere. Now Banya, same thing. Now Veerling, instead of being a third baseman who's below average on defense and can give you a good double once in a while, well, now he's coming off the bench and is insurance for if Parker Meadows doesn't get off to a hot start. He's insurance for when Riley Green pulls a groin. History says it's going to happen. So now you have a bunch of depth guys on coming off the bench that are going to be in the dugout. And make no mistake about it, the Tigers got better here. But here's the problem. This division is terrible. Now, maybe you view that as a good thing, but it's forcing the Tigers and Chris Illich and everyone else in the front office to play a certain type of way. And I don't mean play baseball a certain type of way. I mean approach the offseason. Because here's what is going to happen. Here is 1,000% what is going to happen. 
If the Tigers so happen to win this terrible division with this roster that wouldn't win any other division in baseball, well, everyone's going to... Scott Harris is a genius. Oh my God, he barely spent any money. He's $55 million under league average in payroll and we still won this division. And everyone's going to bow down to him and we're going to have to pretend like this man is big brain Brad Holmes. But if they don't win this division, I'm telling you right now what the story's going to be. Chris Illich is cheap. He's holding this team back. For 10 years in a row, you've been below average payroll in the MLB. And that's the reason. We're going to look back at this moment right here today on February 22nd if we don't win the division, regardless of how the season goes, and think to ourselves, because we didn't sign Matt Chapman, that's why we didn't win the division. Is Matt Chapman really one of those guys who's going to move the needle for this team too? I mean, it's not like the Tigers head into this season expecting to be one of the top 10 teams in runs. Sure, he helps out a ton defensively, four-time gold glove winner. But it's not like Matt Chapman has this ridiculous OPS, batting average. It's not like he comes in and just crushes pitchers. It's not what he is. Last season, he batted four, or 240. Now he's 17 home runs, so a lot more power than Gio does. But at the end of the day, I mean, he doesn't push you over the edge to win the division. You're still a move away. You're still multiple moves away from being a team that can actually compete in the postseason in baseball. That's the thing about this division. It's such a misconception. That was the entire premise last year when the Tigers were, well, let's, let's pull out the fingers and do the count. We're one game two game, three game. We're only four games back from first place. We're 15 games under 500. We're not actually a great baseball team, but guess what? If you win the division, none of that matters. And the Tigers have to make some other move the rest of the season, the rest of the offseason, or whether it's in the middle making a trade to really be considered the best team in the division, if you ask me. Because for anyone that's just thinking to themselves, well, Riley's going to be great. Torque's going to be great. Parker Meadows is going to be great. Colt Keith's going to be awesome. Yeah, we're just naming names at this point. Like, sure, Riley Green has very good potential. Spencer Torkelson could hit 35 home runs this year. But Colt Keith could also start the year really slow. Parker Meadows might not be that guy right away. And that's not a knock on those guys. Odds are Kerry Carpenter isn't going to be Barry Bonds reincarnated for 162 games this year. So let's pump the brakes a little bit on this is a team that's going to win the division, but let's also relax on the fact that they're so far away. It, it, it's, it's such a bizarre situation playing in this AL Central division. It's like if every GM in this division is playing poker, every single time a card comes up, everyone's just checking. Nobody's raising Nobody's making that one move to put one team as the clear favorite. Everyone's just okay checking. Who's going to be the first team to lay down a big bet? I guarantee it isn't going to be Scott Harris and Chris Illich. It's whether or not those two guys can match what the other teams do. Because if you wait and wait this thing out and don't spend any money... Keep in mind, there's no salary cap in baseball, and you don't spend any money. Guess what's going to happen? The Guardians. Well, actually, not the Guardians. The Twins. 
the Royals. One of those other teams is going to be the first team to lay down the hammer. And then the Tigers are going to be sitting there with their shoulders shrugged. Going, oh, I don't know what to do. They took the best guy available because you didn't strike first. You have to go make another move if you seriously want to consider yourselves not just a favorite to win this division, but someone who can go win a playoff game. If you wanted to find the success of the season by, you know what? We got better. That's not good enough. All right? We've been terrible for the better part of the last decade. Let's go make some more moves. J.D. Martinez is a free agent. You can trade for someone in the middle of the season. Get aggressive at some point. You have to. 989-837-6125. We're breaking the rules of sports radio today. Sports Equinox, one hour. I mean, you got to do it. You got to make with what you got. Pistons, Lions, Red Wings still to come. Uh, And also, if we have enough time, I have a question about, for all those pickup hoopers out there, at what point is it just too much to be ultra Michael Jordan competitive? 989-837-6125. We'll keep it rolling on the payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. Let the Great Bay Region's only local sports show back to the payoff. 989-837-6125. Sports Equinox today. All four professional sports we're hitting in the next hour. We just recapped the Tigers. They just signed uh, Gio Urshela to a one-year deal, $1.5 million. Got a new third baseman. Yay. All right, let's do the poo-poo pistons and get them out of the way. We're going to get to the wings. I've got a free agent. New crush for free agency for the Lions. And I think you pick this guy up, you're the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Make it happen. That's a little bit later. You're going to have to wait for that. So let's talk about uh, the team that plays in LCA that provides us with absolutely nothing. So why would we talk about it? Well, over the weekend, All-Star Weekend, Jaden Ivey gets the invite to All-Star Weekend, the Rising Stars competition. And in this game... Jaden Ivey, Benedict Matherin, both guards taken in the same draft a couple of seasons ago. Oh, they get into it. Nose to nose, ear to ear, toe to toe. They start chirping. We've got a little bit of audio for you. It's hard to make out, so maybe we'll play it twice. It's just a couple of seconds. Go ahead, Hudson. Even in the Rising Star game, you can't guard me. And Jaden Ivey goes, what'd you say? Play it again. You say what? This goes on for like 30 seconds. They just keep saying the same thing over and over again. And it gets to the point where Jaden Ivey's like, wait, wait, what did you just say? He walks up to him. Like I said, nose to nose. These guys are ready to go. And I think Matherin says it as a little bit of a joke. In the Rising Stars game, you can't guard me. But at the same time, it's like, no, we're being competitive here. You can't guard me. Ivy didn't like this. Ivy walks right up to him and kind of chests him up before he realizes, you know what? We are the worst team in the NBA. Maybe I should keep my mouth shut because the Pacers have 31 wins this season and Jaden Ivy has 24 wins in his entire career. So why am I talking to anybody? Why am I talking garbage to anyone when the Pistons... His team is at the very bottom of the standings. Benedict Matherin, the guy talking crap, has more 20-point games than Jaden Ivey has wins in his career. And Matherin's only 21 years old. Okay? So now 
Those two are going to be going at it tonight. This is in Indiana. The actual winter team, the Red Wings, they're taking up LCA tonight. More on that in just a little bit. Tyrese Halliburton, on the other hand, the Pacers all-star, hometown hero down in Indiana. Well, he hops on a podcast and just throws the Pistons off a cliff and drops dumbbells on their head. Was there one that felt the most personal? For sure. Detroit, I knew they needed a point guard. And so in that moment, I already felt like I was the best point guard in the draft, but LaMelo got, and LaMelo was kind of, you know, touted as the number one guy. So he got drafted and now I'm like, okay, it's gotta be me. So the Pistons, I'm like, you need a point guard. It's gotta be me. I remember looking at my agent over kind of, he was behind the camera. What is this? Like, they're not picking me. And then there's, you know, flashed up Killian Hayes, whatever. And I'm like, what? Yeah, that was all of our reactions to. Is Killian Hayes still on an NBA team? Exactly. Thank you. Killian Hayes is unemployed. Tyrese Halliburton was just an all-star. Tyrese Halliburton is number one in the league in assists per game. 11.7. Highest in nine freaking seasons. Highest offensive rating in the NBA. And shoots 40% from three. Cade Cunningham, 33% from downtown. Jaden Ivey, Mr. Dog, Mr. Tough Guy, 36%. And where's Killian Hayes now? Unemployed. So why is he so upset that the Pistons didn't take him? I don't know, man. I think you dodged a bullet here. You would not be an all-star this year if you were drafted by the Pistons. So consider yourself lucky that Indiana took you and the Pistons decided to pass up on you. In other Pistons news, Isaiah Stewart. (laughs) Uh, You guys remember last week when we talked about Isaiah Stewart. He didn't do anything on the court. He's missed the last eight games due to an ankle sprain. But he was involved in a little incident in Phoenix. When he punched Drew Eubanks in the face in the parking lot before the game. Yeah, didn't even make it into the arena and got arrested, faced with a misdemeanor. That comes out today. Those charges were dropped, but we do find out today that he was suspended uh, three different games. Oh, boy. this is, it's, it's tough. It, it really is. All right. That brings us to uh, the Pistons, Pacers. Pacers are 12-point favorites tonight. We may as well make some money while we're here. Lock of the day. You better lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right. So if we want to ride the Jaden Ivey's going to be out of control, he's going to be a maniac. He's going to want to, you know, settle the beef that happened over the All-Star weekend. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take Jaden Ivey over 25.5 total points, rebounds, and assists. It's that simple. Um... Listen, Jaden Ivey's been getting 20 points consistently, so all he needs is a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists. I assume he's going to take a lot of field goal attempts tonight, especially if Benedict Matherin is at any point guarding him because what happened over All-Star Weekend can't happen again tonight. I know nobody out there is going to watch the Pistons, so I'll sacrifice myself and do it tonight. This game tonight is going to tell me everything I need to know about the Pistons' young core. I know what everyone's thinking. Well, you already know everything you need to know. They are horrible. Well, okay. If they're just going to lay over and die here in the Pistons versus Pacers game tonight, 
then yeah, I'm out. I'm not going to watch another game this season. But if they actually have some dog in them, they take the all-star break, reset, come back, and are playing aggressive, taking it personally, well, then I'll be in. Then I'll continue to watch. Now, who's really holding them back, we all know, is Monty Williams. Monty Williams said in a little quote going into today's game, I'm not messing around trying to figure out lineups and give guys chances anymore. Well, Monty, it's February 22nd. I really hope you have figured out the lineups at this point. But then again, what do we know? So if he starts playing 13 guys again this game tonight, well, then I'm just out on Monty. I've been out on Monty Williams. But if you say that and follow it up by still playing 10 to 13 guys on a nightly basis, and Tom Gores, the owner of the team, brings him back as the next head coach, oh, okay, fine. I I might have to burn all my Pistons stuff. It's pathetic. So Pistons versus Pacers tonight in Indiana. First game back from the All-Star break. Here's what you need to know. Jaden Ivey, Benedict Matherin went at it at the All-Star game. They're going to settle it tonight. Tyrese Halliburton threw the Pistons off a cliff. And then dumped gasoline and threw a match down. Said, I took it personally when this franchise passed up on me. Don't take it personally. We make every wrong decision. Congratulations, you were an all-star. You would not have been an all-star if you were playing in a Pistons uniform. He was shocked that the Pistons took Killian Hayes, who, which team does he play for right now? None. And Isaiah Stewart, suspended for three games, faced a misdemeanor charge. Those charges were dropped. Okay, let's move on from the poo-poo Pistons and go to the Red Wings. Uh, There's something going on with the Red Wings tonight in tonight's matchup, and I don't like it. I don't like it. They're taking on former rival, the Colorado Avalanche, who, I'll just say it, kind of own the Red Wings. I know people don't like that. People don't like this team around here. I'll tell you why next on the payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. I know it. 989-837-6125. In just a little bit, I'll tell you who... In free agency, I think the Lions should target. I think it'd make them a Super Bowl contender, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. It's my new number one guy on the free agent market. But before we get to that, that'll be, let's call it 642. The Red Wings. Thank you. Uh, The Red Wings play the Avalanche tonight in the old LCA. Uh, Red Wings. If you saw our Facebook post, you know where they are at the standings at this moment in time. They are second wildcard spot. They are in the playoffs now as we speak. Four-game cushion over the Devils and the Islanders. Uh, Red Wings, 64 points. Those other two teams, 60. You're one point behind Tampa, who also plays tonight. They have 65, and those damn Maple Leafs just keep on winning. We bet on them yesterday. Uh, we took their spread plus money because they are hot as hot gets. They kept it up yesterday. They got the win. I think they scored like seven goals. They're all the way up to 74 points. They were behind us just a couple of weeks ago. So we're six points out from them. Uh, Taking a look at who the Red Wings play tonight, the Avalanche. This is a team that most people over the age of 30 despise. I hate to break it to everyone. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. The last eight seasons, the Avalanche owned this franchise. Own them. They've played 10 times 
and the Red Wings have come away with zero wins. They are 0-8-2 in the last eight seasons against the Avalanche. That's not a rivalry, ladies and gentlemen. That is a butt-kicking over and over and over again. Red Wings don't have a rival right now. And the Avalanche come into tonight's game with 74 points. This is one of the better teams in the league. It would be tough to sit here and say the uh, the Red Wings are going to come out of tonight's win, to come out of tonight's game with a win and break this little 10-game losing streak that they're on over the past eight seasons because of the way that the Avalanche are playing. Look, the next seven games, the next eight games leading up to March 8th, count as their own little season. The trade deadline is March 8th. You have eight games from now, including tonight, until then. Actually, you have seven. Check that. You have seven games from tonight until the trade deadline. Let's treat those seven games as its own little season. Let's lock in for these seven games. If you've still been fantasizing about the Lions, thinking about that Super Bowl, let's take a step forward and give us and, and, and grasp on to what the Red Wings are giving us. Because the Pistons aren't giving us anything. We're lucky enough to now have at least one good winter team now in Detroit, in Michigan, and that's what the Wings are. Now, last year, about this time, 363 days ago, the Red Wings snuck into a wild card spot and were there for approximately 24 hours. Then the Ottawa trip happened. You get outscored 12-3 to in back-to-back games, and you never sniff the playoffs again. So how is this year different than last year when we're talking about the, win- the Red Wings as a playoff team? Well, you're scoring a lot more goals. The Red Wings are sixth in goals scored in the entire NHL this season. This is electric. It's fast-paced. If you're not a big hockey guy, this is the season to start watching. If you're not someone who can sit down and watch a three-hour hockey game that's a 2-1 score and you fall asleep, that's not what you're getting with the Wings. What you're getting is a fast-paced team that scores a lot, gives up a lot of goals, and no matter what the score is going into the third quarter, they've got a chance to win because of it. These third periods get electric, to say the least. So if you're not a hockey fan, this is the perfect team for you, and the next seven games are the perfect stretch because the next seven games determine what are the Red Wings doing at the deadline. Now, if you lose the next seven games, which isn't going to happen, who knows? Steve Eiserman might be like, we don't have it this year. We're selling. David Perron, Daniel Sprong, Shane Gossespierre, they're all... But they're all free agents coming up this summer. So if you're looking to dump their contracts and actually get something for them rather than let them walk because you don't want to pay them, well, then you're going to sell one of those guys at the deadline. But the odds are you're not going to lose the next seven games. Odds are you're not going to win the next seven games either. You're probably going to end up somewhere in the middle. And whether or not you are a buyer or a seller I think completely depends on these next seven games, which is why I want to treat this as its own little mini season. So a report comes out today that Red Wings prospect Jonathan Bergen, or Bergren, who's been dominating at the AHL level, 23 years old, 38 points in 37 games with the Grand Rapids Griffins. They offered him a contract extension that he completely rejected by the Red Wings because he wants a shot at a full NHL gig before he accepts a contract. He wants his chance 
to make big money, essentially. Okay, well, if the Red Wings are going to be buyers, if the next seven games really work out, you start with a win tonight against one of the best teams in the NHL and you prove to yourselves, okay, this is not only a playoff team, this is a team that can win playoff series. If you do that over the next seven games, well, maybe you become a buyer. And if you're going to be a buyer and want to cash in on someone right now, maybe a defenseman, a forward, a goalie, you want to make your team instantly better, well, maybe you trade one of your prospects for a guy who can help you win right now. Now, has that been the Steve Eiserman way to do things the last couple of years? No. He's drafting. He's developing. He's letting these guys come through. Signing cheap contracts. It's like every Detroit GM has the same idea. We're going to make sure we don't overpay anybody. We're going to make smart moves, and we're going to be patient. Well, at some point, you can't be patient anymore. At some point, you have to make a move. Now, I'm not saying you have to go sell the farm. I'm not saying you got to go sell a team and cash in and try to go win a cup this year because you're not a cup team. The Red Wings aren't going to win a Stanley Cup this year. But to make the playoffs would be something that they haven't done in eight seasons. To win a playoff series would be something they haven't done in a decade. So if you feel that you're good enough right now, all right, well, let's see how the next seven game go, games go. And if you have a firm lead, a firm cushion in one of those wild card spots, hell, maybe even crack into the top three. All right. Maybe it is time to buy. If you go four and three during this stretch, somewhere in the middle, then maybe you do nothing. Now, if you fall off a cliff and skate flat into your face, well, you become a buyer, uh, a seller again. Nobody wants to see that. So how is this team different from last year's team? Well, this team has Patrick Kane. <laughs> okay. It might just be that simple. Smartest guy in the ice at all time. You can tell he's been in the league a long time. Almost one point per game. He's making an impact. I know the record when he is there and when he's not there kind of indicates that the Red Wings are better without him. It's just ridiculous. Gets almost a point per game. And ask anybody on the team, do you want to re-sign Patrick Kane right now and give him an extension? They all say yes, especially Alex Dabrinkit, who's another addition. 19 goals, 28 assists for the hometown kid. Those two are essential pieces to this Red Wings team. Uh, Alex Lyon. For a while there in the season, we thought Alex Lyon was this prodigy that we all of a sudden got our hands on one of the best goalies in the league. Well, he's water's leveled out. Okay. Turns out he's not one of the best goalies in the NHL. In fact, his save percentage has dropped to average, which is probably where you can expect it to be at best, which is why if you're Steve Eiserman, you got to at least make some calls, pick up the phone and see what other free agents are available or not free agents. What other goalies are available at the trade deadline? Because here's the thing. Goalies are hard to come by. Odds are you're not going to get one. And if you do, you probably have to overpay for them. Now, for a long time, it was, well, we're not going to have to trade for a goalie. Alex Lyon is that dude. Because Huso's now hurt. We don't know how long he's going to be hurt for. Alex Lyon, for a while, had like the third best save percentage in the NHL. Uh, like I said, it's down to 91.2. It's average at best. This is a team that scores a lot of goals. So how confident are we that the Red Wings can string together the next seven games, have a good record, and go on a little run here? 989-837-6125. Are we ready to start repping the Red Wings in this playoff race. I think we're here. We are here. The last eight seasons, 
the last few years of Steve Eiserman, it's been, well, we're building, we're building, we're building. Rebuild is over, okay? The Red Wings are here to stay. The Red Wings need to have a good stretch here over the next couple of weeks. Hell, maybe even be buyers at the deadline. Lock yourself into this playoff spot because, boy, oh, boy, now that you're there, if you don't make the playoffs, this season is going to be more disappointing than any of the seasons in the past. I mean, there's a generation of people out there right now who have never really seen great Red Wings hockey. The winged wheel has never been in the postseason for a lot of people out there. And Steve Eiserman's got a chance to bring him in there. 989-837-6125. Listen, the show's yours today. Red Wings, Pistons, Tigers, Lions. Guys can chime in however you want. And if you dare want to talk about the Michigan basketball team that's going on the road today to face Northwestern, feel free. Doubt anybody wants to talk about that, though. 989-837-6125. I'll tell you my favorites, my new crush in free agency for the Lions next on the payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. Region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9. The Mitt. 989-837-6125. Before I get to my new free agency crush, I know Valentine's Day was last week, but I've developed a love for someone who's probably going to enter free agency here in the next couple of weeks. We'll get to that in just a second, but I, I did want to bring something up. At what age is it just too ridiculous to take pickup basketball to an extreme Michael Jordan-type obsession? Hudson, I'll bring you in for this because I, I want to ask you. So I've got a basketball game tonight at 9 o'clock. And I woke up this morning, not even as a joke, sent my team the last dance link to watch, watched a little bit of it, went to bed last night, you know, visualizing the way LeBron always says he does, you know, you got to visualize you taking the last shot, did that, woke up, been focused on it the entire game. It's been a bit of a distraction. I mean, this, this is high intensity obsession level basketball. And it's just a pickup game. Is, is that a little much? Is that a little much for question, someone who's Question, passed? is this an IM game? Yes. Not obsessed at all. I think this is exactly what needs to be taken. Okay. IM, IM's huge. You're, I mean, you're still in college, Ben. I mean, Shh. you're... you're okay. I, am, I am very much out of college and in the workforce as a real adult, actually. Very true. I think, I think once you hit the age of that 45 to 48 range is when you got to start chilling out. I mean, you probably have full-grown kids, 401k, mortgages. You might you can't pull a hammy. You don't have the money for that. Right. To get, to go, get that fixed. See, I'm still like I'm still semi young. I can I can put together a competitive spirit and maybe it's not crazy. Now, if some people saw how competitive it really gets sometimes, okay, maybe that's a little much for a not real basketball game. Don't get me wrong, it's real, but not a What's the word I'm looking for? An organized basketball game. Yeah. Like, it, it got... Last week, it got to the point where, like, I thought someone on my team was going to get kicked out. Like, we got texts. There was... It's getting intense. And I wanted to know whether or not that's that's permitted. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That's all I needed to know. You signed up for the league. I've been thinking about it all night long. Or all day long, really. Um, we already know who we're going to play. I've scouted this team out. I have openly and willingly wanted to take on playing defense on the best player. I, I'm locked in so much that if we lose, this is what happened when we lost a couple weeks ago. I didn't go out that night. 
I stayed. I literally went up home, went to my bed, locked my room, and thought about what I could have done better. Now that might be where I'm getting a little bit too obsessive with that, it. That might be a little far. I think the uh, the the scouting part of it maybe a little bit too far. You saying uh, that you want to guard the best player, I I completely understand. That's confidence in yourself, and I respect the heck out of it. But but bringing it like into the next day where it's like ruins your day, you ruined your evening. I don't want to say it ruins my day, but like you you go to bed and you're like, oh my god, I could have done that better. I could have done that differently. Maybe that's where we cross the line, where you're still thinking about it like yeah. five hours later. Okay. Yep, yep. I think, I think that's just that's something for college basketball. If you play professionally, okay, that's college basketball. That is some uh, Jerry know, West stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And Ben, I respect you. I, I'm happy you. I'm happy you take stuff this uh, competitive. But I'm, the scouting and making, making, making yourself upset about it is not not all it. Well. We'll see what happens tonight. Uh, Nine o'clock, locked in. All right. Now that that's out of the way, my new NFL free agency crush. Should I just come out and say it, or should I do a little tease into it? Uh, Go for it. Okay. Don't don't beat around the bush. All right, fine. The franchise tag window is officially open. It opened on Tuesday. It closes on March 5th, so players players and teams have until March 5th to get a deal done. On the franchise tag. Otherwise, those players are heading towards free agency. Chris Jones. Mm, Chris Jones. Super Bowl champ, Chris Jones. Super Bowl champ. One of the best defensive players in the NFL. Has taken the title from Aaron Donald as the best interior defensive lineman in all of football. If they were to tag him, it would be $32 million because of how, because of stuff last year with his contract and the incentive. That would be a ridiculous price to sign up for to only have them for one more year when you have to pay them probably even more than that the following year. So if you're the Chiefs, you're looking around, you've got LeJarius Sneed to pay, you've got Chris Jones to pay. Odds are you can only pay one of them unless you get real creative with the Pat Mahomes contract and backload everything, which is going to set you up to fail in the future. Chiefs only have $22 million in cap space, so they'd have to get creative. Odds are you can only bring back one of the two, Chris Jones or LeJarius Sneed. Now, if you're the Chiefs, you're probably thinking, let's go with the latter. Let's go with the younger player, LeJarrius Sneed. Whereas Chris Jones is 29, 30 years old right now. Would be 31 by the time the season starts. He's a future Hall of Famer. But the thing is, he's a future Hall of Famer in his prime right now today. Last year, 75 pressures, 10 and a half sacks, all pro the last four years. You're getting someone who's in his prime. You're getting someone who is the best of the best, one of the best players in all of football, let alone defensive players. He's projected three years, $85 million. Is that a hefty price? Absolutely, but it'd be worth every single penny of it. And let's not forget this. You bring in Chris Jones, he doesn't have to get 10 and a half sacks. He doesn't have to get 75 pressures. He can still be overpaid, And he alone would just take bodies off Aiden Hutchinson. He alone would free up Aiden Hutchinson and finally unlock him because Romeo Quara, Julian Quara, Charles Harris, those guys aren't doing it. Hutch is getting double teamed more than anyone. You bring in Chris Jones. All of a sudden, Hutch is getting more one-on-ones. Those numbers go up. Ali McNeil's numbers go up. Chris Jones' numbers go up. Well, maybe not Chris Jones, but you understand 
the impact he would make, whether or not he's getting the sacks or not. I get it. It's a lot of money. He's projected three years, $85 million. But tell me that wouldn't make the Lions Super Bowl contenders today. It's not the Brad Holmes way. It's not the Brad Holmes approach that he's kind of hinted at and beat around the bushes for this offseason. He said, don't expect any flashy signings. Expect us to nail the draft, re-sign our guys, and develop our players. That's cool. But so is bringing in Chris Jones. Because what would Kirk Cousins do if he lines up and sees Aiden Hutchinson, Chris Jones, and Ali McNeil all coming for him? On one ankle. <laughs> exactly. Kirk Cousins, if he sees that, might just instantly go sign with another team. That's not something any NFC quarterback wants to deal with. Those three would be a menace to every quarterback in the division, in the conference. And let's not forget the fact that the Lions are missing a lot of guys on the defensive line that were there last year. So signing Chris Jones would be two birds, one stone. What do I mean by that? Well, you need a pass rusher, obviously. John Kaminsky's more likely to getting cut. And I know whatever, oh, John Kaminsky's a gritty guy. Can use him in all these different packages, play inside, outside. John Kaminsky's getting cut, okay? He's set to make $6.4 million this year, but only 1.7 of it's guaranteed. So if you cut him, you save $4.6 million. Still don't want to cut him? How about this? He has the ninth highest cap hit on the team. Yeah, I'm good on... I'm good on John Kaminsky. Julian Aquara is already an eagle. Romeo Aquara is a free agent. I'm good. Charles Harris, otherwise known as the captain of this defense for some reason, uh, was a healthy scratch most of the weeks to close out the season, which leaves you with Hutch, Josh Paschal, and Canadian Defense Player of the Year, Matthew Betts, as your only guys on the edge. Now, you don't necessarily absolutely need another edge rusher if you sign Chris Jones because he can play the end. He can play in the middle. He can play anywhere you want. And guess what? He's going to help you get to the quarterback and steal bodies away from Aiden Hutchinson. Now, you also are going to need a tackle. Well, why are you going to need a tackle? You have Aline McNeil. Well, you're losing Benito Jones. Levi Wunzerike has made a glass. And Broderick Martin might not be a real person. So last year's fifth-round pick, I think he played a total of 11 snaps this year, something like that. We have no idea what he is. So you need to start loading up on on rotational guys that you can have play on the defensive line. Well, not, why not just sign a guy who can do both? Then that 29th pick, you don't have to worry about drafting someone on the defensive line. You don't have to worry about really taking anybody on the defensive line until the fifth, fourth, fifth round. You can focus on a corner, focus on an offensive lineman. This is someone who's got versatility. You can play on the outside. You can play on the inside. Wherever he's playing, he's getting to the quarterback. And the PFF stuff will tell you he's not the best run defender anymore, but Kansas City was still top half of the league in terms of stopping the run. And they got better every single game the playoffs went on, as they always do. That's the thing about Chris Jones. He gets better in those big games. When you need him the most, he is playing his best football. You sign Chris Jones, you unlock Prime Hutchinson, you unlock Prime Aleem McNeil, who had 34 pressures this year, Second most on the team, even though he missed three games. Lee McNeil is developing into one of the best run defense guys in the entire league. He had the fifth best grade on PFF. So if you bring in Chris Jones, I think it makes you a Super Bowl contender. Almost every issue on the defense is fixed if you bring in Chris Jones and draft a corner. 
It works. It makes you a Super Bowl contender. Uh, will Brad Holmes do this? Probably not. But I don't understand the the whole mindset of no matter what happens in free agency, if this guy's available, we're not even going to consider getting him. That's I, I just don't agree with that method. I understand he's great in the draft, developing players, re-signing guys. I get it. That's the motto. But I think all things are off the table when someone like Chris Jones is available. Because you know what you can't let happen? You can't let the Niners go get him. You can't let the Eagles go get him. You can't let the Cowboys go get him. Otherwise, they're getting better than you when you're staying the same. Packers, great example. Can't let a team in your division get him either. So go get Chris Jones. I think you instantly become better than San Francisco, especially if you draft a corner and you make it work. It's an instant fix. It instantly makes us not only an average defense, but a great one. Nobody wants to deal with Aiden Hutchinson, Ali McNeil, and Chris Jones on the same defensive front. That would be one of the best units in all of football. After realistically having one of the worst in all of football last year, of everyone not named Aiden Hutchinson. 989-837-6125. Jeremy from Beaverton chiming in. Holmes is sticking to what he has done. Not signing Jones. Sure, I'm not going to have a problem if he doesn't sign Jones. But if the Packers do, Vikings do, Bears do, well, then I'm going to have a problem with it. Because he was there. If he doesn't get tagged, he's there for takings. Throw the draft, re-sign, develop out the window if someone like Chris Jones is available. He fits the Lions' culture. He fits the grittiness. He makes you one of the best defenses in the NFL. I'm all in on Chris Jones, Hudson. I'm in. Sure, Pistons horn, because why not? Uh, we also got some semi... I mean, this was like an hour ago, but I'm calling it breaking news anyway. You want to give me it? There we go. This is mind-blowing. See, I don't understand this whatsoever. Uh, the Lions have re-signed kicker Michael Badgley. For the third time, uh, Badgley went four for four on field goals this season, three for three in the playoffs, including a 54 footer or 54 yarder versus the Rams, 13 for 55 on PATs this season. So it doesn't sound that bad when you look at it on paper, but everybody knows the kicker situation here in Detroit. You know what this tells me? This tells me that Dan Campbell isn't going to go seek a new kicker because he gets to play the, hey, I don't trust my kicker. I'm going to be aggressive and go for it here card whenever he wants. Maybe he doesn't want a good kicker. Maybe he's just re-signing Badgley so he has the confidence in himself to say, no, nah, I'm just going to go for it. Because if you have this great kicker that's available, if you have this Justin Tucker type guy, well, then you're going to get even more crap from us, from the fans, from all these other people that think they know how to coach football teams. They're going to be coming at him even more when he still elects to go for it on fourth down. But if you have a semi to not so great below average kicker, well, then you can keep going for it on fourth down over and over and over again, and we can do the whole, well, Michael Badgley can't really kick from that far out, so he can just keep doing it. You had some other kickers that you saw were available. Yeah, that's right. We're having a kicker conversation. Specialist on top. Um, so if you just look at free agents, you look at Greg Joseph uh, or Brandon McManus, they're both available, both over 90% career on field goal or on PATs, over 80% on field goals. And then if you even go to the rookie class, Will Richard out of Alabama, the NCAA all-time we leading scorer. draft. I, I'm so out A on UDFA. the idea of drafting kickers. I'm done. It doesn't work. 
All the best kickers in the NFL were either cut from their original team, were UDFAs, or were just picked up off the streets. You draft a kicker, it's a complete waste of a pick. Ask the 49ers. Fair. Jake Moody was the best kicker of all time at Michigan and was average at best this year for the 49ers. And I get it. He had the Super Bowl record for longest field goal for like 10 seconds, but for the most part on the season, he was meh, and they wasted a draft pick on him. Okay. Then if you want to go to the UDFA route, Harrison Mevis out of Mizzou. He has the longest field goal in SEC history. He's their all-time leading scorer. He's one of the best kicking prospects there is. Mevis so he, is he's a dog. probably going to be drafted then. No, he's he has a UDFA uh, grade. Will Richard has a. We a fifth don't round. know what teams are going to do with the kicker. The Patriots could draft a kicker in the second round, and everyone would be like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." Patriot way. So you think they should keep Badgley, or you think they should go get a young guy? I would like to go get a better kicker and just pick someone off. Like, people don't realize Justin Tucker was just picked up off the streets. Uh, Harrison Bucker was just some dude who had gotten cut before just signing with Kansas City and being really good. I want them to go find a new kicker. I don't think they will. I think they're perfectly fine with Badgley being the kicker and everything under 50 yards. Basically, when you're between the the 30 and 45-yard line, it just means Dan Campbell's going for it. And I think he loves that. Brad Holmes needs to step in, though. He needs to step in and say, Dan, you got st- to calm down a little bit. And I know you don't want to take that away from being the most aggressive coach, but you have to take it away a little bit. I like the aggressiveness. I have no problems with any of the calls they made in the playoffs. It wasn't Dan Campbell's fault. It wasn't Brad Holmes' fault that Josh Reynolds dropped that pass. I like the aggressiveness. It's a new brand of football. It has created a trend in the NFL that a lot of teams are following because it, when your offense is that good and you can trust them that much, it's giving you an extra down. There's risk, sure, but it worked 90% of the time for the Lions this season. So the 10% of the time it doesn't work, not allowed to get mad at it. 989-837-6125. There you have it. That was the payoff. Thanks for listening, guys, and I hope it was worth it.